welcome back, everybody. Um, we are on podcast number 23, or no, 20, 24. Uh, we did 23, we're on 24. Uh, gonna do a question. Um, gonna read you a question that I got on a, it was Facebook. Um, it was a message that I got to our dog bone page, <clears throat> kind of a lengthy one. Um, so for me to try to answer it back um, by typing the answer, it might have taken a long time. Um, probably couldn't cover it as well as I would like to. Um, there may be some questions that I have and I'll kind of walk through and talk through um, those questions as I read it to you, but I'll get right into it. Um, it. Here's how it reads. Good morning, Dogbone. I want to start out by thanking you for all the content and information that you put out. My wife and I have been doing a ton of research on dog training and we're glad we found your videos and podcast. As we are as we really like your philosophy and consistency and building a connection with your dog. We have a few questions for you. That may be useful as podcast questions, since I think they are pretty broad questions and could offer help to others as well. We're getting our first pup, a French Brittany, in August from a local breeder and have watched both your puppy and foundation DVDs as well as numerous videos on your YouTube channel. I understand you do a lot of shed training, but have you heard of... have heard you mention that you do some upland and bird dog training as well. How would you tailor your training to a pointing dog? For example, possibly not teach to sit a pup as using the woe command during feeding time instead of sit, question mark. Uh, also, my, and so I'm going to answer that because it's a two-part question. So um, first off, I really appreciate the support. Um, you're, you're, you're following and, and consuming the different content that we're putting out there. So I appreciate that. I appreciate all you guys for listening to this. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Um, when it comes to talking about things and giving recommendations, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I don't, I don't have experience training pointing dogs. I'm not a pointing dog trainer. Um, I have aspirations and, and will own a pointer. Um, I've talked about that in the past. Uh, my, my plan is to own a, a little pointing dog. I'd, I'm leaning right now towards an LU English pointer um, just because of the style of dog. I think it would fit my style of hunting, my style of training. Um, but I, don't, I haven't done it. And so one of the things I want to do is that. Um, my plan is to use it in conjunction with um, my retrievers. Like I'll work them together. But... Um, I don't have a ton of experience. So what I do know is some broad stuff, some real general stuff when it comes to um, pointing dogs versus flushing dogs from an upland standpoint. And, and he mentions in here that he's heard us mention that we do some upland and bird dog training. We do. Um, it just, it's a, it depends on what clients are looking for. Um, gun dogs and, is, and bird dogs were more natural to me when I first started. That's where I kind of got, it's really where I really based a lot of the training stuff around shed training from um, was the, the background and the the same style and, and the same approach, very similar approach uh, to training an upland dog to quarter and cast as I would a shed dog to quarter and cast. Different object, different smells, um, same essentially same reward, retrieve, um, especially for my retrievers. So yes, we do. And right now I've had a, a run of um, gun dogs and upland dogs in. Right now we've got a couple in that are just for that, um, from clients of ours. So, but when it comes back to the pointing thing, where I'm careful is, is I don't like talking about stuff that, um, I don't feel real comfortable 
with the idea of me knowing a lot about. So I'm not going to get into a lot of um, pointing dog recommendations. I would recommend contacting a pointing dog guy, uh, someone or, or girl um, who specializes in it. Um, but I totally agree with you on the idea of I don't know that I would be training a pointing dog to sit much or often at all. Um, that's and, and to be honest with you, a lot of my dogs, um, my retrievers, we get to a point where I, I start out with a sit to the whistle. And, and if you're watching any of our stuff right now, we've got a new series on our YouTube channel called Cody Go Back. And we're teaching hand hand signals. We're, we're handling Cody and, and teaching her to go back. And we're going to go rights and lefts eventually. Um, and you'll notice in there, we start out with sit to the whistle. All my dogs start out to sit to the whistle. But eventually, as they get older, really for me, the key is control. I need them to stop to a whistle and have control. Um, I do think there's uh, an advantage and a, ne- and a need, a necessity for them to be facing me square. Um, so to turn around and square up to me is very acceptable with my older dogs. If they're out at a distance, if they're running away from me, if they're quartering, casting, whatever it is, when I do a single blast on the whistle, I want them to turn around and face me. That allows me to get back to gridding um, straight back, 90 degrees to the right, 90 degrees to the left. And when I say gridding, I mean like I can take a grid pattern to get them where I want them. I don't do 45s. I don't do angles. Um, I know some people do. Um, There's reasons some people do. I don't. Uh, I want to simplify my training. I'm not, I don't trial the dogs. So to me, if it takes an extra handle or two to get them to the bird, I'm good with it. Um, I really don't have a problem with it. So I think it's very simple for a dog to understand 90 degree angles. So that's why we go back, we go right, or we go left. And so in order for them to do that, though, they have to start out facing me. And so I, you'll notice in our videos, with my, especially with the older dogs, the younger dogs, I, I do ask them to sit down, especially early on. But af- after it's a control thing, and so after, they are a lot, lot less likely to get in, the, get in a bad position if their butt's on the ground. Um, where my older dogs, all I want is the control of them stopping, turning around, and facing me. And so I get a little bit accepting or okay with the idea of them not necessarily sitting to the whistle. But it has to start somewhere. So we do start with sit to the whistle. If I got a pointing dog, I do want to have control of all my dogs. Um, and, I, and I don't, again, how do most pointing dogs get trained? I don't know yet. Um, going to find out. But I, would, I do want, regardless of what the, the standard is, I want the dogs to be under control. So I want them to be able to, I want to be able to stop them. So I'll, I don't care what kind of dog it is. Um, I do think you can teach a dog to stop to the whistle. Um, the pointing dog, stop and turn and face me, have control, just like my retrievers later down the road. Um, so I think you're right. I think you, you adjust and you adapt. I don't think training is black and white different, whether it be retriever, pointing dog, hound. Um, there, are, there are real distinct differences, but I think general philosophies, major um, concepts or ideas are similar and transferable. Um, so regardless of what you're training ultimately for, I think you can, can implement a lot of the same things. That control part is what, what we need. So yeah, I think you can get your dog. So your question was, is, you know, when you're doing your setting up these dogs, setting them up at feeding time, these puppies, 
that's all that's all you need is steady it's for it's for steadiness it's not for formal sit um you know we work on sit separately i do think you want to teach your dog to sit um whether you're a pointing dog or not because there's a lot of situations where you need the dog to sit down um unless you're a, a guy who hunts every day or or all year long which i don't know anybody that does um unless you want your dog exclusively for that I think there's a lot of value in being able to go to a soccer game and tell my dog to sit down and be able to have the understanding that that it's going to be there a while. Um, A lot of times they lay down that, you know, my dogs lay down all the time. Um, When I put them on sit within a matter of minutes, a lot of them, especially the older ones lay down and I have no issue with it. It tells me uh, they get it. They're going to be there a while, get comfortable. So um, I don't have an issue with it. And that's because my dogs are never exclusively a hunting dog. Um, they're almost always a family dog first, and we get them in the field and, and get, are real productive with them in the field. But it's family dog first, um, and those are the things that those are skills that my dogs will need, do need. Um, so that's my approach on that. So then, his second part of his question says, also, my wife and I both work full time jobs. Now, this is something that I just think really applies to lots of people. Um, also, my wife and I work full-time jobs during the day, like many people do nowadays. We could possibly take some time off when we first bring the dog home to get it acclimated to our house. But when housebreaking, potty training, what would some of our options be if we have to leave the puppet home during the day in the house? We don't have an indoor kennel and do plan to keep the dog in the house as a family dog in addition to her being a pheasant dog in the fall. So you're talking the same scenario that I'm living with every one of the dogs I train for myself and my clients. After watching your Live with Spry videos, we will most likely have a similar kennel set up to, with a small crate inside of a playpen in our kitchen and we'll plan to crate the dog at night when we are away and when we are away. Again, thank you very much for all the work and effort you put into your content. We greatly appreciate it and the feedback you give us. So the question I think he's getting at is, is we work full-time jobs. We're going to bring this little puppy home. Puppy's going to probably be eight weeks old. What are we going to do with this puppy all day long? Now, it, it's a good question. And I, think you, I don't think there's a black and white answer for it. I think it's, my answer is um, the same to everybody. It's just how you're going to do it is going to be different than some people. Um, my answer is you got to get creative. Um, and, and so I'll... I won't leave it at that because you'll go, well, that doesn't help me much. You got to get creative in. There is going to be a time period, and I usually think it's about 12 weeks old. Uh, from 12 weeks and earlier, so let's say you pick the puppies up anywhere from usually seven to eight weeks is usually when they, when you're getting them, and to 12 weeks. So it's five, four to five week period. That time period, quite honestly, I just don't think a puppy has complete control over their bladder. Um, They'll have accidents. I just don't think it's physically possible, like scientifically, for them to 100% maintain and make sure they have no accidents. Now, I think we can minimize the accidents, um, and we need to, and we should, and I don't think it's that difficult. And I think it's because we can control what goes in, and that controls what goes out. So timing-wise... Um, when you get back, so I, I, I think it's great. I don't think you have to take time off uh, when you get the puppy. Um, I think it's nice if you get them over a weekend because you got automatically got a couple days. But I think it's all about routine. Um, I think it's about getting the dog in a routine. And the understanding that um, I let the pup 
when they first came home with Spry, and I didn't always do this, and I, I started doing it um, around the time of Spry, and I maybe did it with a couple other pups, but I liked the idea of having that pen. I had just a small, like, little play pen thing. I put a kennel inside of it, and I left the door open, and I put a pillow in there. Um, and the reason I, and I normally don't do any of that stuff. I don't, my dogs don't get pillows when they're older. Um, I don't let them free come and go as they want. I don't let them run the house. What I did was when I brought that, when, when we had that little puppy and, and Spry was a puppy of Taylor's, so we had her her whole life. Um, but what happened was is her seven or eight or nine, I forget how many pups are in that litter. When they went home, all of a sudden Spry was left alone. And that was hard on her. Um, because she was lonely. And when you take those dogs and you transplant them into another house, they're lonely because they just gave up everything they know, including their brothers and sisters. So Spry had a little bit of an advantage because it wasn't like it was a new environment for her, but it was all of a sudden she's all by herself. So I used that kennel um, with the door open, and I used that little play area because I let her come and go, and I found really quickly that she wanted to go into the kennel to fall asleep. Um, When they were little puppies in the whelping pen, we have it set up that they could go from the whelping pen into the kennel. And so the kennel with a pillow in it. And what we found was that was the earliest way we could start housebreaking. And we literally almost housebreak them before they go home. And the reason we do it, the way we do it is the puppies all slept in the kennel with the pillow. It's soft, it's dry, it's clean. And when they had to go to the bathroom, they'd get up, they'd walk out of the little kennel and they'd go out into their whelping box and they'd, they'd do their business out there. The difference is I don't want them, when we move them into the house, I don't want them thinking that they can do their business in the house. But what I did was I just did this transitional time of let the puppy get into that kennel, and eventually I'm going to start closing the door on her. And then i got to realize i got to be careful because I don't want her having accidents inside the kennel. Once they have an accident inside the kennel, they think it's okay, and they'll have accidents in there more regularly or frequently. Um, if the kennel's too big, they'll go to one side of the kennel and go to the bathroom and then they'll sleep on the other side. So we just got to be careful that we don't have that. Now you're in your particular situation, it's the time in the, during the day when you're at work that you're concerned with. When I say get creative, I mean for about a month, I would figure out a way to not have the puppy be alone from seven till four or eight till five or whatever the hours are. I would make a I would figure out something, whether that's a neighbor, it's your mom, it's a friend, it's the kids because they're home for summer, if it's a babysitter, if it's whatever it is, if it's bringing you bringing the pup to work. I literally, I mean, I, I used to, I worked construction my whole life prior to, to starting these, you know, working, working within these businesses. And I trained dogs the last several years of what I was working construction. And I brought dogs to work. Um, I had to get creative. I had to make sure that my boss, who we had a job site trailer, and um, it was not a place that you could just put a dog and have it be noisy and make let it be, get into trouble and raise hell and all that stuff. So what I did was I had to make sure that my boss understood, like, my dogs are good, and my dogs are going to be in their kennels, and they're going to be quiet, and we're going to – but in order for me to do that, I got to be able to – let them out and throughout the day. And I ended up downtown in a big city, Madison, Wisconsin. I, I brought a dog. I brought a puppy, um, raised a puppy in a kennel in a job trailer. And I had to get creative and convince my boss that I was able to do it. And then I had to make sure I did it well. And, and nobody, 
objected to it because it worked out good. I had a, another job construction where I worked in an office and I had a puppy and it wasn't too hot out. It was still in the spring. I brought the puppy to work with me and left it in the truck with all the windows open, had a little crate in there. And I would go out at 9.30 in the morning and I'd just take a little break and I'd go out, I'd leave my office, I'd go let the puppy out, let her do, it, let her, do her business, give her a little drink, put her back in. And then I knew at 11.30 I was going to be able to do it again. And then at two o'clock I did it again. And then when I went home at 4.30, I let her out. So I ended up, I made some sacrifices, um, made sure it was okay with my, with my, the company I worked for, but I would let the dog out for, for a couple weeks, um, throughout the day. I don't think you can expect them to go the full time. And I think that if you do, they're likely to have an accident. And what we don't want is we don't want that accident in the kennel. Um, because then they're going to mess in the kennel and think it's okay. So it is figuring out your schedule. Everyone has a little bit different one. Um, and so you have to get creative at least for a few weeks. And that's the nice part is it's only for a few weeks because eventually I think it's usually around 12 weeks. It's not like it's a set thing at 12 weeks. All of a sudden they can hold it. But by, by around that age, I see that they physically have developed and they have an understanding and they really have a, a, a bit of a pattern developed and some consistency and repetition has formed these habits. And now all of a sudden they go, I don't want to have a mess in here. I'm going to hold it. Now you got to understand the timing of that is real important and engaging how long your dog can hold it, uh, gauging how much and when to give them food and water, uh, ensuring that they get up. The second they get up, they got to go outside because they are going to go to the bathroom you got to minimize and make sure that they don't have the accident. Um, so it's preventative training as much as anything. And if you're good and you're on top of it from the start, you those four weeks are going to go by in a blink. Those four or five weeks, they'll be here and gone. And then you'll be through the woods. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to go, oh, I got to work and you got to work. So let's just let let's just figure the dog's going to make a mess. Because the do- when the dog is four months, five months, six months old, and it's having a mess there and you're pissed off about it, you have no one to blame but yourself because you've, you've conditioned, you've trained the dog to understand that that can happen. So I don't have the specific answer for you. Um, Ethan is the guy who sent the question. What my question, my answer is, is get creative. Figure something out. And between two people, it's even easier. Um, you know, whether it's, you take turns running home at lunch, whether it's, you just got to figure it out a way. You find some neighborhood kid that you can trust. Um, you, you, you may owe some people some favors, but you get through it. You, you do something like that. You get through this window and it'll be worth, well worth it for you. Um, so unfortunately I don't have the exact answer, but I, I do think you get the idea. You're going to have to figure something out. Cause I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can just take a puppy, um, put it in a kennel, eight in the morning, come back at five and expect it to not have, have messed and had accidents. Um, it's just not feasible. So, uh, and that if, for anyone who's listening to that, you know, you guys got your puppy on the way. It sounds like some of you guys that are thinking about dogs or thinking about your next dogs, um, keep that, keep that in mind. You know, when is a good time for this stuff to happen? Um, sometimes you don't have a lot of control of it. Sometimes you do as far as timing, but there are, uh, the springtime and summer are great times for a lot of people to get dogs because kids are off of school, teachers are home, um, 
there's there's things that happen seasonally that that make things different. If you're a construction worker, you know, my background's construction. Construction worker for me, a great time to get a puppy would have been like late fall, early winter because work slows down in the winter around here. Like people just don't have as much work. So you may have a better chance uh, to have some free time um, to work a pup at that point if you're in that position. So everybody's in a little bit different and, and everyone out there has a way of doing it. It's a matter of figuring it out. Um, cause I know some people are listening to this and going, Oh yeah, you're, you train dogs. Yeah, I do. I do train dogs, but I also do a hell of a lot more than just train dogs, but I certainly won't use that as my reason that I can't get this done, this done and this done with the dogs. I mean, we all can make as many excuses as we want. Um, there's always a reason not to do it, but I think it's your perspective on it. Figure out a reason to do it. Um, and, and apply, I think you can apply that to everything, not just dogs. But, you know, there's always ways to get stuff done. Um, sometimes it just takes some creativity uh, and work. There's no question about it. Like, that's the other thing is I probably overlooked the idea of, you know what? There's a great example of, of a little puppy is going to be some work. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of rewards. There's a lot of rewarding things that go along with it. But if you don't think you're going to have to put some effort into it, if you don't think it's going to take a little bit of work, um, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be uh, a, a kind of a rude awakening to that. So it will take some, but I think you can do it. Uh, it was a good question. I do think a lot of people probably wonder. It, it kind of a spinoff of that is a lot of people ask, so let's say your dog gets a little bit older. You get through this housebreaking thing, and you will. A lot of people ask the same, a question um, that is uh, probably the next chapter of that little pup's life of and they always say what what do you do with your dogs during the day um you know do you leave them in the kennel all day when you're not training them what what do you do with them and the easy answer to that is my dogs have three options they're with me under 100 supervision like they're not so i know they're not forming bad habits i know they're not getting into shit like they have to be with me under control supervised that's one way that they're with me second the option that they have is they go on their place. So we use these little place beds, um, these cots. Um, they're elevated. They help the dog understand black and white perimeter. Um, they cannot get into trouble on their place. They don't have to sit and sit still on them. They can move anywhere they want on them, but they just can't take their paw off of it. They have to stay on it. Um, place training, you can watch it in our videos. Uh, we a Puppy video, I think we have it in. Um, but place training is real valuable. Um, so they're, they're with me under hundred percent supervision. Their second option is on place. And their third option is in the crate or the kennel. I don't kennel my dogs outside. They're all family dogs. They all live in the house. Um, all my clients' dogs are raised in our house, no differently than I would my own personal dogs. We don't have a kennel. I don't have outside runs. I don't have anything to put dogs out. I t we have some tie outs, but I don't, uh, if the weather's not good, I can't do that. Now that is, I, I suppose that is probably my fourth option, but the, the kennel or the crate is, for us, it's just a crate. Um, it's a safe place. I've got three dogs and crates right now in this room that we're filming in. It's my living room. Uh, I've got two dogs laying on beds. Um, one, two, three, four, five. That's, a, that's the head count. So uh, we use um, the kennel or crate is not punishment. I don't punish a dog and put them in their kennel by putting them in the kennel. It's a, I leave the door open on on them half the time and they don't come out they like it it's safe quiet it's like a den so 
um, they're on, they're in their kennel, they're on their place, or they're with me under under supervision. The other option would be tying out. I do tie dogs out, uh, especially early on prior to heel work. Um, teaches them to give the pressure to the neck. I don't tie my dogs out nearly as often um, as some people do, and it, it's just I, we don't have that many dogs, so I don't need to. I have room for them here in the house. So, um, but tying out would be an option too. I do think that teaches patience, teaches them to be quiet, um, teaches them to just just lay there. Uh, tie out is something that we talk about in our puppy DVD as well, because we talk about it before, or it might be in a foundation DVD. We talk about it prior to heel work. I thought it was puppy. I th- yeah, it is, because we have that little puppy out in the front yep. whining in it. So they whine and they fuss, and it teaches them, it teaches them that, that that type of behavior doesn't, get what they want, which is attention and reward. So the tie-out would be the fourth fourth option that you may have for your dogs. So that, that, that Ethan, might be your next question of, well, we got through, it. We got through the uh, housebreaking. Now what are we going to do um, the rest of the time? So those are the options that my young dogs have. And quite honestly, it's my older dogs too. I don't let my dogs free run the house ever. None of mine do. Now, I, I don't kennel them all either. I, we leave dogs on place when we leave them. Spry stays on place. Taylor stays on place. Ellie stays on place. Ellie doesn't stay on place overnight. Ellie got in a little habit where she'd go to the bathroom. She'd go to the back door and go to the bathroom at night. She never has an accident unless I leave her out overnight. And she doesn't do it every night, but she'd do it like once every three weeks. And that was too much for me. So at night, I just slip her into her kennel. I tell her kennel up. <clears throat> she slides into the kennel. I close the door. I never have an accident. Never have an issue. So... Somewhere along the lines there, that habit was formed with Ellie, and it's just a trust thing. I just don't trust her now to do it. So don't set them up to fail. Put her in the kennel. No, they're not going to have an issue, uh, and we don't have a problem. So that's it's. it comes back to a lot of, um, for me, the understanding of having control, setting them up to be successful, and eliminating or minimizing their chances to fail. Um, dogs don't chew stuff up if you don't let them run around the house. Dogs don't get into things that they shouldn't get into if they're not able to get to those spots. So place, kennel, with me, under supervision, tie out when the weather allows. All right, man. Knocked it out under 30 minutes, 27 minutes, and and that I didn't feel like we had to rush it, and I thought that was good. Uh, that was a good question, Ethan. I thank you for sending it. Um, it's, a great, it's a great example of this whole episode of this podcast was completely from a question that came on Facebook and we get so many of them and I don't, I, I answer most of them um, just by typing back but some of these this would have been a hell of a long message back and probably not covered it as thorough as I would like to so I did shoot him a message and say hey uh, there's a lot here uh, mind if I try to turn it into a podcast he said that's awesome so there it is. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Um, please do me a favor. If you would uh, be willing to give us a rating on our podcast, I'd, lo- I'd really appreciate it. It helps us, um, helps us with understanding more um, of your feedback. It also helps with the growth of this thing. Our hope is to help more people. The only way we help more people is by more people listening. So um, if you would be willing to share, share it with somebody that you think it might help them. Um, we, we do posts on our Facebook page or Instagram page with previews to these. A lot of times we have Benny whips up a little, um, what would you call it? A promo. A little promo video or, or, yeah, it's kind of a video. So a lot of times it's a video um, of what we're going to cover, and we put them on Facebook and Instagram. Maybe share those if you'd be willing to. 
Um, but we appreciate your support. We appreciate your your help, um, your following of it, and, and providing us with questions to uh, answer. So until the next one, thanks for everything. <laughs>